Hey everyone, Justin here again. As promised, this is the second half of our War Summer of Warhammer episode, episode 19B. Enjoy the 40k content. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 gaming podcast covering board games to war games and beyond. So, speaking of gaming, <laughs> yeah. let's get into uh, 40K. This is the big one. This oh, is geez. the big one. And last week I, ta- I touched on kind of a, a bunch of things, um, but since we had a different topic, we didn't get into it. But um, what are your initial – so for a new player coming in, mm-hmm. just overall, what are your thoughts of Ninth edition as it, it's, as it has been revealed to us thus far? Okay, I'll start off with a little bit of background. So um, I got into 40K in 4th edition. Okay. um, And right as Apocalypse was coming out. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, that's Um, like where you've got like 3,000 points plus, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, And that's when you were able to start using actually the big... Anyways, the Bane Blades and Imperial Knights and uh, Titans and stuff that were meant for Apocalypse but got brought into 40K. Yeah. and I, I actually got uh, into competitive 40K in 5th edition. Um, and then with the start of the ITC in 6th edition, I got really into it. Um, and so I actually ran uh, Sisters of Battle heavily in 7th edition. Okay. Um, so I played a lot of competitive 40K. And then uh, I got out of it in nearing the end of 7th um, and went into Age of Sigmar because it started getting bloated. Uh, 8th edition dropped, and I uh, played it a little bit. I loved what they did with 8th edition, um, with, and with Index Hammer was interest, was balanced, I liked, but as soon as they started releasing codexes, I realized my uh, orcs and sisters were going to be behind on the curve, and so I decided to wait until I got books. Uh-huh. Um, and then when the orc codex came out, I played a little bit more, but was a little overwhelmed with the current meta, and so I dropped out. And so 9th edition will actually be my resurgence back into 40K after about an almost two-year hiatus. Okay, okay. So uh, the the big benefits of 9th edition, uh, so 8th edition was a fantastic rework of 40K that made it very good for new players to enter. It's very much like Age of Sigmar in the streamline of mechanics. And 9th edition, I think, is basically... Uh, an addition that was meant to shore up some of the abusable mechanics that eighth that were shown in eighth edition. Yeah, what I noticed. So I have never played forty k, mm-hmm. um, but I started watching a lot of painting videos and you know tabletop minions. Have you seen his like channel? Yeah. He talks a lot about 40K and stuff like that, you know. Um, I never really got into the tactics, but all the things I heard about 8th edition is this is a great edition. I would compare it to D&D 5E. Yeah, yeah. Right? Age, of Sig- Age of Sigmar and, D- and 40K 5th, 8th edition are very similar to D&D 5E. They basically came out, they reworked everything that worked about the game, and they yep. streamlined it to make it easy for people to enter without making it feel um, dumbed down. Yeah, absolutely, so. absolutely. Um, what I like about what I'm seeing with Ninth Edition so far, and what's drawing me into this, is um, there's two things that are drawing me into it. One, um, I've noticed that they are drawing heavily from their experiences with Age of Sigmar and applying some of those rules that work well into 40K. 
Um, and, you know, whether or not they are calling that out on purpose, I've just noticed that there seems to be a simplification that is aligning with, you know, Age, Age of Sigmar rules. And I think that that's going to help me kind of get into 40K a little bit more. Um, and the second thing that is drawing me in there is I feel like there's a little bit of Age of Sigmar bloat going on right now. <laughs> you know? Um, so, well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lumineth to me is bloat. Uh, well, if you are afraid of Age of Sigmar bloat, you are in for a rude awakening the moment you start playing competitive 40k, I'm sorry to say. Fair enough. Um, 40k is a... 9th edition does not go do away with any of the bloat that existed in 8th edition. Uh-huh. So that bloat still exists, and, um, it, like, 40k has a lot more going on than Age of Sigmar as far as factions to begin with. Right, right. So, um, the one nice thing about their attempt to uh, remove bloat was the changes to how detachments worked and how command points were awarded, which will actually help curb the bloat. I guess Uh bloat's the wrong word, but abuse. Um, Yeah. So, uh, but you're in a, there's... Age well, Sigmar my, and 40k are about the same it, uh, yeah. amount of bloat. Uh, you're just probably feeling it for Sigmar because that's all you know right now. That's a good point. That's a and and I think that's a fair point too. And I'm I'm feeling like man, the power creep in Sigmar has just been bugging me. You know, um, it, it's hard. It's hard when every new book that comes out is just like more explosions. And I quote, and that's a quote from our our friend Rob Robert Cron. Uh, you know, we're talking yeah. about new books, and he's like, "Dude, Games Workshop just wants to do bigger explosions every time. That yeah. was that big of an explosion. Let's make it bigger." You know, and and I, I feel like you know systems kind of have to go through this evolution, where you know they start out real nice and real you know real good, and there's like a little bit of oscillation, you know, up and down. But then as it grows, like it's kind of the end of a whip, and now you've got like massive swings and oscillation. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. kind of feel like Age of Sigmar is sort of in that moment, you know, where we're probably feeling another edition coming out, like, in another year. Yeah, I mean, well, revamp stuff. honestly, I think if Age of Sigmar will be getting an, another edition either next year or the year after that, yep. guaranteed. Yeah, Because, I, I mean, the I way I see it is uh, we got AOS 2.0, um, what is that, Two, three years into uh, AOS because we got it 2018 and AOS came out in 2015. Yeah. Um, so we had three years of AOS 1.0. Um, and 8th edition 40K actually also only lasted three years. Um, so we are actually, come 2021, will be three years of Age Sigmar 2.0. So I would not be surprised if we saw a edition change in 2021, maybe 2022. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but honestly... Age of Sigmar, I think, is just running at the problem if they released twelve, but they released you know eighteen books in um, fourteen months. Right, right. Um, so it, it just it, it a couple of FAQs and erratas to just read, but like if they you know if they released points for the whole game at once rather than half the books last year and half the books this year because that's really what's going to happen half the books aren't going to have point updates in the ghp because they were released too early too soon after yeah yeah um so but if while the other ones did get points in the ghp but those point updates in the ghp are already invalidated by the year it took for the ghp to come out right um so just things like that 
Um, and then, yeah, like the realm rules are a good change. But uh, I, I think Age Sigmar and 40k are probably in the same problems of bloat. You'll see that once you start trying to look at the seven okay. different campaign books you need to buy, like <laughs> two factions. Fair enough. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah. Um, so, so you talked about, uh, detachments, which, I mean, I know it's not a one for one, right? It's not a one for one, but I am going to compare it to my experience with Age of Sigmar. Detachments are essentially, I mean, not essentially, but they're kind of like battalions, um, in that it's got prescribed units that you need to take to fill that detachment, right? So it may say you need... You know, X amount of troops, you need a HQ person, you need a fast attack, you need this for one detachment. And those, what's interesting though, versus Age of Sigmar, and, and again, this is just me talking, all the 40k players out there are like, duh, Justin. But um, <laughs> what's interesting to me though is that um, those detachments are all the same. It doesn't matter the army, the detachments are the same, right? So it's just how, how do you feel those detachments versus. Um, versus the battalions in Age of Sigmar that are very army-specific. So, um, detachments in 40K... So, this goes back to the old days of 40K where um, we actually had detachments mm -hmm. and you had your uh, core detachment. Well, I forget what it was called. Um, and then you had an allied detachment and then they eventually started adding new types of detachments which weren't formations, which were the 40K version of battalions. Okay. Um, so they, it's, 40K has kind of always had this detachment-based system. Mm -hmm. And when 8th edition dropped, they decided to structure the detachments in a way where, uh, depending on what type of detachment you want, rewarded you in uh, command points that you start off the game with. So yeah. like brigades, for example, gave you the most command points, but they were the most restrictive, as in you needed at least three fast attack, at least three heavy support, at least three um, elites, and then at least six troops and at least three HQs. Uh, yeah. But it gave you the most command points. Problem that ended up happening was um, some armies could fill out these very restrictive detachments for cheap and gain and farm command points. Like Gar Imperial Guard could get like a whole brigade, and then you can add a knight detachment on top of that and a Space Green battalion. And all of those were providing tons of command points. And then you would just feed all those command points into your um, Imperial Knight stratagems. And it was like, why, the only reason you took all these guardsmen was to generate command points for your Imperial Knights, and it just felt off to me. Um, so 9th edition is fixing that by saying everybody starts with the same number of command points, and you get one detachment for free, essentially, if it's as long as it's battalion or brigade, or if you're or a um, super heavy detachment if you're an Imperial Knights. Um, and if you want a second detachment, so if you want to mix your army with multiple different uh, factions to play a soup list, yeah. it costs command points now. So instead of rewarding you for taking specific kind of detachments, they're now punishing you for trying to make your army flexible, which I actually which, like a lot more. Yeah, and I heard that, I mean, one of the biggest issues with 40K was the soup lists. Exactly. Um, you know, and because, that was because you're taking the you best were, of everything and meshing yeah, it well, all together. They, they got rid of the straight soup where you just take one battalion and then take literally every Imperium faction you want. They just made Imperium an illegal uh, army you could play. Yeah. But you could still just, like, as I said, take a guard brigade, which would generate 12 or 15 command points or something, and then yeah. take Imperial Knights super heavy detachment, and then all those command points you generated you'd use to benefit your Imperial Knights. Imperial Knights didn't 
pick a brigade. No, your guardsmen did. It's like, so right. you had the, and the guardsmen also provided all this great bodies to cover objectives, which is the one weakness for Imperial Knights. Right, right. right. Now, you can still do that, but instead of gaining command points, you lose command points. So your yeah. guard brigade, if your warlord is a guardsman, that's free. But then your super heavy detachment, yeah, that'll cost you six command points. Right. And then that space marine detachment that you want to take as a battalion, that'll cost you another three. So instead of starting with 22 command points, you're now starting with three. Yeah. And um, and then to address the command point thing again, like you said, you need to sometimes spend command points to get these battalions or detachments that you're doing. But you also generate command points like you do in Age of Sigmar now. Yeah, so they start everyone with 12, um, and then you get one per turn instead of letting people start with, like, 18 to 20. Um, and the, the reasoning behind this is they want to encourage you to, like, use command stratagems every turn instead of just blowing through all of your stratagems on turn one, right. annihilating your opponent, and calling it a day. You actually are required. A couple of your command points are going to be used throughout the game. And yeah. um, if you accidentally spent all of your command points early, you'll still have one to do your one uh, stratagem a turn or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think, so again, that kind of goes back to like my familiarity with Age of Sigmar, right? Where I'm used to generating a command point every turn. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a good thing because then it paces you a little bit more. Yeah. It makes you think about how you want to use it. Um, yeah, prevent, it prevents encouraging massive alpha strikes. It, it encourages you to actually do yeah, things yeah. over time. And speaking of alpha strikes, I think one big change to the game is first turn stuff, right? Uh, where you can't score in your first turn. Uh, that's... Uh, Did I hear that right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but that's... That's a holdover from Nova missions because uh, the missions were actually helped designed by Mike Brandt, who used to run Nova and make the Nova missions. Okay. Um, and the reasoning behind that is, uh, you gain if you look at how the missions are scored, yeah. you get five points for at least holding any one objective, yeah. and you and you score every player turn, but you start in your territory like the, basically the player who goes first. He would never not be able to score those because he starts on top of his own objectives right. and he would score the points. So they right. don't let you score turn one. That way your opponent has an option of reacting to you before you start racking up points. Yeah. So so it's not that's not necessarily an update to the rules. That's an update to the missions, right? And But it sounds like that was, I mean, those missions didn't have that feature in them outside of like the tournaments right yeah the, the nova missions were kind of built that way anyways i believe if i remember correctly so okay but nova missions weren't as popular as itc which were scored differently yeah okay all right um very cool yeah i think that that changes that'll change the um equation quite a bit you know for a lot of people um because gone are like the alphas i mean you still may want to alpha strike um because that that'll set you up for a good turn too right but you also may want to hunker down that first turn or just move into a better position you know so yeah i'm not i'm not the one to talk about 40k tactics as i'll have to see but yeah Yeah, possibilities i'm excited (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um all right so one of the other bigger changes came in the form of vehicles um, and I think that we're going to see a lot more vehicles on the tables based on what I've, what I understand. I hope, um, we'll see. 
As with anything, GW comes out with a rule hoping it'll have an effect, and it may not be big enough to have (laughs) the effect they wanted. Right. Um, So, but I I think this this probably will make more vehicles show up. So I think there's 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 like two two major things, right? With with vehicle, I mean, I guess there's kind of three, but two major things. One is they can now move and shoot. Um, you know, that's huge. That's huge because you didn't want to like move them before, but you're like dang it, this has a 24-inch range, and I'm 30 inches away. <laughs> well, the big thing was is that it's like, for more point efficiency, you could just take a squad of guys with more guns, and yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to move and shoot with them either, but they're easier to get cover, so why would I ever take a vehicle that has to be stationary? Now, the whole point of a vehicle is it's supposed to be able to lumber around the battlefield and actually shoot things. So right. now they actually feel that way. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. one of the biggest deterrents was that if you ever got it in melee range, it couldn't shoot in 8th edition, right? So it was just bogged down, so all you had to do was throw a, a bunch of little Gretchen at a at a big old tank, <laughs> you know, and and it can't do anything, you know, but now now it can. It can shoot in melee, which I think is awesome. Yeah, and that, that's, that's something that I'm excited that was brought over, at least for vehicles. From Age of Sigmar, because Sigmar you can shoot into the combat you're in. Um, yeah, yeah. So because that, yeah, that's something that can be feel very bad, feel very bad where your opponent just locks down all of your shooting units. You're like, well, they're useless. Especially since 40k is so shooting heavy. Like Age of Sigmar is not. I mean, it's become more shooting heavy, um, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination right now. You know. But 40k is all about shooting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and. Um, uh, but let me ask you this: Could units in Eighth Edition shoot in if they were in melee combat? Nope. Nope. There was no shooting. You so if you had a unit locked in combat, yeah. you were not allowed to shoot that unit from outside or from within. Basically, units in combat were not allowed to be shot in any way, shape, or form. But now they, they can, can, right? Vehicles can shoot the unit they are locked in at a minus one, but you still cannot shoot from outside forces. Oh, I see. Okay, so so as far as I know, um, I believe so. So, so, like, if you've got a unit of Space, Space Marines locked in combat, they can't shoot. You can use their pistols. Pistol weapons yeah. can be shot while in melee, not gotcha. other guns. Okay. All right. Um, so the other uh, vehicle thing is dealing with aircraft, and I thought that they had a, a couple of interesting rules with aircraft. Uh, to me, this was sort of a no-brainer, but I guess it, it wasn't a thing. But, like, um, the bases of... You know, aircraft can now ignore like other people as it passes over, or other it's people the, can pass over the base. That's the this thing is, is um, yeah. before aircraft wasn't a rule. Uh, flyers were just aircraft were just another kind of vehicle, and so yeah. they had a base, and so they would actually be able to block movement and block things as if they were a vehicle. And it yeah. was you could basically have these flyers that would just fly up and zone out an entire way of movement. But it didn't make sense. Like, but like, why can't the infantry like do this? So basically, under, they, yeah. yeah. Now you just like will walk under the stupid plane. Like, so now it's yeah, it's a no-brainer. But it was just one of those oversights from Eighth Edition that it's like, yeah, yeah. they brought it into Ninth because it fixes an abuse that went an oversight from Eighth Edition. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Ninth Edition is is basically Eighth Edition where they shored up a lot of loopholes and removed a lot of oversights. Yeah. And they, they made it too where if it flew off the board edge instead of dying, which sucks, you know, if you're like, well, there that, there goes that, it ends up going back into your strategic reserves and you can bring it back again. Yep, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, so, that was one of the problems with flyers where it's like 
your opponent can just place models in strategic locations where it's like you can't move unless you fly off the board and so you just die because it had to like turn or fly off the board and so you're like crap and so but it is like that's stupid but now you get to come back on the board which is great because um they also brought in a rule where the maximum minus four plus to hit can be only be one. Oh, so, I love that rule, by the way. I am. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that rule. Um, okay. Uh, that's beside the point. Um, yeah. But it means that flyers are a lot more vulnerable because you can't because flyers are inherently minus one to hit. I believe they still are. Um, and any you could apply other stratagems or rules that would give them additional minuses to help protect them. Uh-huh. Now they've lost all those protections because you're like, I mean, like you think about it, a space marine hits on a three plus. At worst, yeah. they're hitting on a four plus. So space marines can just like walk. They, now when you move and fire at minus one, if you're shooting an aircraft, you're always at a minus one anyways. So yeah. you may yeah. as well move and fire those heavy weapons. And so right. aircraft kind of got a lot less tough because of that. And so being able to go off the board gives them a way to. Uh, keep their it, it's a defensive maneuver where you just want to like do a bombing run bomb somebody fly off the board and then come back on the board next turn and shoot your gun so you get a little bit more opportunities to not get shot off the board turn one or something like that you know your your negative one, one plus one cap thing that's an interesting take i didn't think about it that way i mean the way that i thought about it was oh great that means i can't be debuffed not like right. to kingdom come right? right but I people a game who have high somewhere. hit profiles they can't be debuffed to kingdom come but it also means like a space marine will never hit worse than a guardsman ever. Yeah. No matter how many weird scenarios come to play, they're always hitting on a four plus. Period. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of insane if you think about it. You have right. a pretty reliable hit chance in this craziest of scenarios. You got some crazy elder psychic power plus a stratagem plus a flyer. Who cares? Four plus to hit with my giant blob of guys with storm bolters. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 that's an interesting take on that, and uh, I could see, I can see both sides to it. Cause man, I played, I played Grimgas Reapers one time, and I got hit by the Locust of Shaiish, you know, and they were all of a sudden hitting on like negative two or something like that. Man, they couldn't do anything, and I could not get rid of it. You know what I mean? So, um, it, you know, it sucks to be able to be like, oh crap, well now I can't do anything. But I understand what you're saying, which is like. You know, uh, aircraft is negative one to hit normally, but this unit can now move and shoot with essentially no penalty to that because, you know, it can't be stacked. So, yeah, it's, I gotcha. Uh, but yeah, I, I again agree with you because I know that in 8th edition there was a lot of problems where you had unhittable units because they yep. didn't have a six is always hit rule. And so it just, it was a lot of negative play experience where it's just like, you just make my guy, your whole army is just unhittable. What's the point of yeah. playing this game? I can't touch you. So the, right. there was a problem of that, so I understand why they came out with it. I'm, yeah. I don't know where I land on. I'm not exactly sold one way or the other. So one other thing that I thought was interesting was um, kind of how they do uh, morale checks now um, and cohesion. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I feel like Age of Sigmar's cohesion rules um, are pretty intuitive. And I didn't realize that, like, how not intuitive a little bit of this was, you know, when they were starting to kind of make this come out. So um, I feel like they could have just solved it by saying, so So right now you're in cohesion as long as you're within two inches of another model. 
Which is similar edition. to how Sigmar is done, except instead of two inches, Sigmar has one inch. It's one inch, right? right. Yeah. yeah. Two, two inches, inches, though, I mean, that's a long conga line. Yes. That yes, it make. is. Um, two inches is long. I mean, you can fit, like, whole other models within, like, in between each other model. As, you know? as Sigmar players, two inches, two inch coherency is blasphemy. I, I, like, I agree yeah. with you there. Like, I feel, but coming from 40K, two inch coherency is, like, status quo. It's what's been That's around cause, since. It's because most stuff is on 32 mil bases, right? No. No. No, Guardsmen are 25s. Demonettes oh. still exist on 25s. Okay, all right. Uh, I mean, Space Marines on 32, and I guess a lot of the orcs are on 25s too, huh? Mm, Gretchen are. Okay. Uh, but like all Eldar, a lot of them are on 25s. Okay. It's, right. it's, it's basically the same as Sigmar, where small, skinny guys are on 25s and yeah. bulky guys are on 32s. It's not much different. Um, but two inches is two inches is a lot. You yeah, know? it's and... just two inches has been the coherency since I've been playing in fourth edition. Yeah, yeah, and so, so they they changed the rule now to where it's like, well, now you have to be within two inches of two other models, right, for coherency, which ends up to some like I was looking at some things online. It ends up like you could like make a dog bone. Type of formation if you want to come at, but I, we'll, I, we'll get I, into the we'll get into I the hope to check play against the guy who brings the bow tie defense. I will gladly play against that man. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you end up. You, I mean, there's a way to wreck his day. You know, there, there's a way to wreck his. Like, you don't even have to like try. All you have to do is literally kill one model. Doesn't yeah. matter which. You don't have to pick them out. You just be like, oh, I did one wound to you. You don't have to touch that unit for the rest of the turn. Good to go. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, but so it, yeah, it's two models within two inches, but I feel like if they had just said one inch of each other, it would have solved the problem. No, it wouldn't have. No, you don't think so? No, it would have shortened the Congo lines, but there's still Congo lines. I mean, there's Congo lines in Age of Sigmar, but honestly, like, it's not that hard to get rid of those Congo lines. The point of... The two inches of two models is they want to have units feel like they're performing like a unit and not that's just fair. this string of models that goes across the board. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Like the like the blob with like ten units coming out of it, right? And yeah, like, like they don't want this string of models. Like even with one inch coherency, if you had a um, unit of conscripts which has fifty models, you could still string them across the board and snag every objective or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they they want units to actually look like you know units, um, right. form like units and like actually be clustered together and have cohesion. Um, so this is, I mean, it, they got this rule from their new apocalypse rules, which does yeah. this. And so I I like it actually because it, it requires you to actually like kind of group your guys together and not just right. string them around. Um, and then the other rule for morale, where if you are no longer if you have a unit no longer in cohe coherency you have to kill models until you are in coherency which yeah. is how you just kill one model in the bow tide formation and then they have to then kill models down to five models because that's the other thing yeah, is yeah. if you have five or less models you don't need two or more models it's just you're good to go. right which is i think driving the game to um minimum sized units you know and that and the new changes to the blast weapons which we don't really have to talk about but you know i mean yeah. Uh, GW brought up a good point with blast weapons. Um, so let's take a, a Imperial yeah. Knight, for example. 
the uh, du double tapping battle cannon has 2d6 shots. And yeah. if you have a unit of 11 or more models, it gets max shots, which is 12. Right. right. If you use the Gatling gun, the Gatling gun had 12 shots. So it's like, if you're a horde, like the, the blast weapon should actually do a lot of damage. And you would have the same number of shots as this rapid fire Gatling gun, which no matter how many models in you, it would have 12 shots. So it's actually just bringing up these random damage weapons up yeah, to yeah. speed with a lot of these just That's high true. rate of fire weapons when fighting hordes. Because the blast weapons are usually a little bit, they're meant to kill hordes. But they're yeah. not as useful against like a tank, which the more rapid fire weapon would be better against then because you don't have the, you know, random chance. So yeah. the blast weapons I feel are not as that bad when you go like, well, I would have been shot twelve times by a Gatling gun. <laughs> right. So right. it's like, mm, yeah, it's actually not that big of a change. Yeah. yeah. As okay. far as being right. a horde is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more, like, you know, MSUs out there. Um, and, uh, oh, so the actual role for morale... Oh, jeez. ...is interesting. So, do you like it? No. I do. I don't. Okay, so let's explain what it is. So, it, and, and I'm going to give some context. Age of Sigmar, and this is how I think 40K was, too. Yeah, 40K 8th edition is the same way as Age of Sigmar is now. Okay, so, all right, perfect. So, Age of Sigmar is this. Let's say I have a unit of 10 guys, and their bravery or leadership is 6, okay? And I lose 5 guys in combat, right? So, what I have to do is I have to take the number of guys I lost, 5, and I have to roll a dice, okay? And whatever I get on the dice, let's say I get another 5, okay? So you add those together, so that would give me 10. And then I compare it to the bravery or leadership, which in this case is 6. And because that dice roll and the guys I lost is 4 over my bravery, 4 more guys would go. So that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, sometimes when you get in the moment, you're like, wait a minute, how does this work again? But, you know, because it's just math. But it's really not that hard. This new method of... Do determining battle shock or bravery loss or whatever you want to call it, um, you you're gonna to have to help me explain this. You um, end up taking the number of models you lost. You do your bravery check, right? Which is you know I I, I roll the dice, number of models lost, compare that to my leader leadership or bravery. If I fail, one model goes. But then I have to roll a dice for every other model in the group. And if I get a one, for for every one I get, another model flees. Okay, so what don't you like about that? Um, it adds more dice rolling. Okay. So to an it addition, does. I, I, that, that is, is a very, very strong, strong criticism that I totally agree with. To to an addition where they're trying to remove unnecessary dice rolling and speed up the game, this will actively slow down the game and add more unnecessary dice rolling. My first, especially if you've got like a unit of like forty guys, like and you. Let's say you lost 10. I mean, you, you fail your bravery check. You're going to anyway, right? Um, all of a sudden, you've got to roll 30 dice. Yep. And pull out the ones. Yep. Yeah. Um, which will equate to, like, five guys. Um, yeah. It actually benefits hordes a ton. Uh, I, it does. Yeah, I agree. And it's, that's, to me, funny. Um, like, it, it makes hordes, like, it, like 50 man's... Uh, 
conscript blobs are going to be popping up. Like you say, MSU is going to be popping up. You're going to yeah. see 50 man conscript blobs. It's, maybe we'll see polars. You know what I mean? We'll see MSUs and then we'll see like huge hordes, right? Oh, yeah. No, uh, exactly. Because like you kill beforehand, if you killed like 25 conscripts and they had yeah. bravery uh, five, so yeah. then you'd roll a D6 plus 25. Yeah. And so basically, so you, get 30, lose, right? you would lose, yeah, you would get, when you roll a five, that's 30, you'd lose 25 guys, that's the unit. Um, yeah, yeah. So, like, that, that's the thing is that it's like you could kill 20, you could kill a 50 man blob by only killing 25, which to yeah. me, I actually liked because um, it was a w- way of dealing with hordes. Now, uh-huh. you let's say you killed 25 guardsmen, uh, you roll a, f- a four. Yeah, bravery yeah. five, so that's twenty nine minus five is twenty one. Yeah. You lose one guardsman, so now you have yep. twenty four left. You lo- roll twenty four dice, and you lose four dudes. So you're yeah, at yeah. twenty left now. Instead of wiping out the whole unit, it's only going to kill five guys, and it's like, well, that's I mean, why like, I like it. I don't know. <laughs> Like, That's, and then on the flip I, side, on the flip side, it really yeah, yeah. hurts elite armies because if it you does. can actually make them fail a bravery test, one like I, I equate this to the Purple Sun in Age of Sigmar. The Purple yeah. Sun is super great against like uh, Blight Kings because yes, very bad against skeletons because like you would hit a skeleton, you roll forty dice, and for every six you kill a skeleton. All right, I lose six skeletons. What yeah, do you yeah. fucking do? Um, you roll head a unit of ten blight kings. You roll ten dice, and for every six, you might kill like three. Two, you could get lucky yeah, and kill three, three blight yeah, kings. Yeah. That's twelve wounds worth of blight kings versus yeah, six yeah. skeletons 100%. you just killed. I won games against flesh eater courts because they would kill the crypt horrors. Right? Yeah, you would just like, yeah. oh, I rolled two out of three sixes. Oh, there's yeah, two yeah. crypt horrors gone. Holy crap! You just killed eight wounds for yeah, nothing. Yeah. So it's like. It hurts people who have, like, Primaris Marines are all of a sudden like, oh, you killed four of my Primaris buddies in my 10-man unit. Oh, I rolled a six. I lose one dude. Oh, and then I lost three more to Bravery. Holy crap. You would never, like, the you sometimes would be like, oh, on a six, I'll lose one dude. Yeah. Those yeah, sorts yeah. of things. Where it's like, oh, on a six, I'll lose one dude. Oh, no, I rolled a six. I lose one dude. Now it's like, on a six, I might start losing a lot more dudes. And they're hinting at stuff like, um, what are they, what's it called? Um night lords the chaos space marines they may make you fail on ones and twos instead of just ones so like this starts punishing like i don't know so i I have have reservations about this rule i should say i guess so so the interesting thing though is that um i i think it i think it's good well what were you gonna see what you're gonna see is that Elite units are going to bring MSUs. So you're going to have units of three, of five, of six, maybe. You know what I mean? So that if which, they which lose. Which is funny two, because uh, with the new detachment rules, it's going to be harder to bring lots of MSU. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because a battalion, which is your easiest one to fill out, you need yep. three troops and two HQs. You could bring a maximum of three HQs, a maximum of six troops, and then a maximum of three heavy support elite and fast attack. Yeah. So. You could quickly fill out a battalion and go, crap, I'm out of units. I still need to bring more units. So then yeah. you're like, well, look at the brigade. All of a sudden you jump okay. to brigade and you have a minimum of three fast attack, a minimum of three heavy support, and a minimum of three uh, elites, and a minimum of six troops. And you're like, yeah. well, that's too many now. I just wanted to bring like two more units. So it's like, 
the, before you could just bring double battalion or something that bring six troops and then yeah. Yeah. as many elites fast attacks up to six zero to six of all those and you're fine but yeah. double battalion is going to cost you three command points rather than give you more so msu is going to be harder to field so that's where space marines are going to be nice because they can you can just bring six ten man squads and then combat squad them into five man squads right um, right, right but yeah, yeah i don't know It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I see the pros and cons, you know, of it. Um, I look, if you're running a horde army, it sucks to like lose, take damage half of it, and then the other half just runs away. Uh, as but, as a you know. death player who brings forty man blobs of skeletons, you you, you get used to it, right? right. Like sure. it doesn't. Yeah. Like that's what you know. Yeah, but you would also bring, bring them, them back, back because that was your your, your well, stick. That's what inspiring presence is for. Although I will say. Yeah. In 8th edition, they have the stratagem for two command points. You basically make a heroic bravery, I think it was called. Uh, that's only usable once per game now. Oh, interesting. So that's okay. another thing. That, like, I don't know. Like, I'm no expert. I haven't played 40K in like two years, so I, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking out of my ass here uh, about like what I think <laughs> is actually you know viable and stuff. I'm just bringing yeah. my reservations uh, based off of my... Stute, you know, analysis of wargaming, but like, they, that's my ideas. Like, I see, I have reservations about the morale system. I don't know yeah. how it'll shake things out. I think people are reacting one way or another without actually looking at all the implementation, implementation, ah, implementations and implications of it. Yeah, um, and like, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of moving parts to the change, like the detachment changes, plus the morale changes, plus the coherency changes. All are going to have a factor on did hordes. Oh, the other thing that hit hordes was uh, instead of the engagement range being one inch and then every model within one inch of a model within one inch, they cut that down to half an inch. And oh, I see. Everyone's crying foul, but as someone who brought a blob of 20, uh, 32 mil models that every model had to be within one inch of the enemy, um, you can figure it out. It's not yeah. that hard. Like, it's, it's not that bad. Like, I can still get. I believe I can still get a full thirty-man orc unit into combat with at least a large unit. No, you're not going to hit a five-man space marine unit with thirty orcs. We never won in the first place. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it doesn't bother me as much because you just got to play pile-in and range rules as if you're playing Age of Sigmar. Well, you know, and and again, coming from Age of Sigmar, I'm like, okay, I think I, I, that sounds like what I've been playing pretty much. Do you know what I mean? And in fact, it sounds better because it's one inch within one inch within one inch or something like that right and so i'm like wow i can double stack these exactly like that's the thing is with (laughs) with half inch if as long as you can get one rank of guys within half inch of the enemy you immediately get two ranks because it's just like guaranteed the guys behind your guys within range are in range it's like as a sigma player i'm like i'm guaranteed two ranks of guys in combat that's amazing like 40 mil bases 32 (laughs) mil bases i'm guaranteed two ranks this is amazing Right, right, right. Like, I'm not mad at all. I'm guaranteed two ranks of guys. Yeah, yeah. meanwhile, meanwhile there's, there's a bunch of people out there like, this sucks. sucks. Exactly. You know? like, and so, okay. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited that there's a lot of changes to 8th edition to 9th edition that I'm willing to jump back into the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm excited for that, but there are a lot of rules that I'm not going like, ooh, this is like, you know, the savior of the game. I'm like, okay, I want right, to see how right. this plays out. This sounds like it's really almost like a, um, <laughs> almost like a D and D three point five. 
You know what I mean? Versus a uh, versus a full on new edition. I mean, I know they're calling it ninth edition and stuff like that, but um, they haven't overhauled the rules so fundamentally that it is. You know what, you know I, mean? what I mean? Well, they do. From they do edition. this every time. Um, yeah. Fifth edition was an expansion. A well, it was a pretty big change over fourth edition, but it what? Yeah, it wasn't a major change. That most of the core stuff from fourth to fifth were just kept around. Sixth edition shook things up a ton. And then seventh edition just expand like every two editions, they just expand upon the previous edition, and then the next one is a major shakeup. So the evens are the brand news, and the odds are the just kind of point fives. Like seventh gotcha. edition when it first came out, everyone called it six point five. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha. Well, I'm excited to try it out. I'm excited to play it. Um, Jason um, is gonna get into it too. Um, I think he's excited to, to, to do it. So, um, he's trying to figure out what army he wants to play. He used to do a little bit of Tau and Tyranid. Okay. He's a dirty Tau um, player. I see how it is. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. It, Tau players are, um, famously, uh, shamed for being a typical type of player. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> It, well, to, to his credit, he said, I don't think I ever want to play them again, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just a meme that everyone hates on Tau players. Um, but the, the reality is, is that the shooting phase is a one, is a uh, basic, Tau feels like a single player game where they are trying to just kill your models and not interact with you, while other armies uh, are actually like a, you know, a combative game. This one's like, I just want to point and click and murder you. Because it's I just a, it's a shooting army. It just goes there and just wants yeah. to shoot you off the board. And I, I have a lot of friends who are Tau players that you know are not played like that. But it's a typical what people believe Tau players are. It's just like I you're a dirty you. Tau yeah. player. You just want to sit there and blow me off the board. You don't actually want to play a game with me. Right on. Yeah. No. I think I think he'll he may end up playing Tyranid, but then he may end up choosing because he also said he really liked Dark Angel. So. Um, who knows? Who may end up? That's going one of the things about forty K is there's seven billion Space Marine factions. Well, there is, there is, and listen. One of the things that I liked about forty K as I've been getting into it is um, the endless possibilities of doing things. So you can upgrade weapons on your units. You can, you know what I mean. And all these things because they're pointed individually versus a unit. Um, it can change strategies within the same army significantly. Yeah, it's, you know? it's interesting. I actually like the Sigmar way of doing things because it really just streamlines the whole process. I'm sure it does. And the, I'm sure the, once the, I get I into mean, it, I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the bane of my existence. But... I've, done, I've done 15 years of nuance buying uh, war gear and crap for my units. And it's just like, it's so nice that in Sigmar, it's just like, I bought a unit of Fulminators. Yeah. They have their war gear. I'm done. <laughs> No, I'm right. good. It's just right. it's it's an it's a breath of fresh air to just be able to buy what you want and not have to worry about the the nitty gritty. Feels nice, but it can sometimes just like get in the way. And it there's there's a reason why 40k players wait till the last second to make their army list because it's like, do I want a plasma pistol here? Do I just yeah, just build your list, dude. Just, just <laughs> Yeah. And also, it, playing against an opponent where you have to worry about every single option that every unit took can be frustrating. It makes it harder to learn the game a little bit. While in uh -huh. Sigmar, you can just be like, oh, you have Liberators. I know what Liberators do. I know Done. what Liberators do, yeah. And again, like I said, I think once I get into it, I'm going to be like, oh, man, that's so much more streamlined. Because I, I get it, right? But 
the new player in me is like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff, right? Like, I'm like a kid in a candy store in a sense, you know, because there's all these cool things to mess around with. And, um, you know, the novelty will wear off, guaranteed. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited to play. I'm, I'm glad you're going to be playing. I'm glad Jason's going to be playing. That just means more people trying it out. Um, with me and help, helping me learn. And, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that the explosion of excitement over it will have a bunch of content creators generate a bunch of uh, tabletop simulator uh, assets, and I could just oh, yeah, uh, jump into nice. some tabletop simulator groups and start playing the crap out of it. Since I probably won't be playing in person for uh, a while. <laughs> I was going to ask if you're going to come to our um, our little guild con, but I don't think you are because you're no. coronavirus lockdown stuff, right? Yeah, no, I, uh, I have some uh, extra restrictions over normal people in my household that'll probably make it that I can't go to a gathering like that. Yeah, bum deal. Bum deal. It's fine. I mean, because I, I think you'd have a great time. Live in. It's the world we live in right now. It is. It is very much indeed. Well, Garrett, thank you for coming on the show. We didn't even touch half of the 40K changes, which is fine because they've literally taken like four weeks to go over all of them. Um, so I don't think we're going to cover it in an hour oh, podcast, God. which oh, we're oh, like I, way over I, an hour. I actually have to go over one more change. Oh, oh yes, yes, please do. Is it the, the charges? The charges one. Okay, um, you've got to because you brought it up in our chat. Yeah, so... I love the intent of this rule. So basically the big change is, so in 40K, over Age of Sigmar, 40K you declare your charges versus units. So one of the things you may have noticed from a lot of 40K players going to Sigmar is they go, I'm going to charge your unit. Yeah. And in Sigmar, you don't- Okay, just roll the dice, bro. Yeah, it's like in Sigmar, (laughs) you you don't declare charges versus your unit. You just say, I'm charging, roll the dice, and then see where I go. The reason you have to declare it versus a unit in 40k is because of Overwatch. You declare it versus a unit, that unit has an option of shooting you before you get to come at them. So in 8th edition, you uh, could declare charges against anybody within 12 inches, and they all got to shoot you, and then you would charge, and you just had to end in combat with someone, and then you were fine. Because uh, the, the thing is, is that in the turn you charge, you are so when you declare a charge, you have to if end outside of engagement range of anybody you didn't declare a charge against. So if you didn't want to get overwatched by that big tank or something, you can't then lock him in combat with a charge move. You have to end outside of engagement range. In addition, when you pile in into attack, you can then come into engagement range, but you cannot target any of your attacks at somebody you did not declare a charge against. So, right. so if you didn't yeah. if you didn't give someone the opportunity to overwatch you, you're not allowed to attack them. Um, right. As a Sigmar player, this messed me up a ton because, for example, what I did is there was like a guard blob in front of uh, a bunch of uh, heavy weapon teams. And I had this big 40-man orc unit teleport up and charge in. And um, I wasn't going to be able to hit the guard blob, the heavy weapon teams behind them, so I didn't declare them as a unit. But I can pile in an attack twice with a stratagem. So I murdered the, the screen. Like, my 40 orcs just decimated the screen. He, like, we didn't even roll the dice, I think. And then I was like, oh, I'll pile, I'll spend my stratagem points and I'll pile an attack twice. He's like, you can't attack me. And I'm like, crap, you're right. Even though I wait till the end of the combat phase to pile an attack a second time, I didn't declare you as a charger, so I, I can't even attack you. Crap. I was it's just like, I, I messed up. But that feeling that I had where I'm like, well, this is stupid because I, I literally can't attack these guys that I should just be able to like 
overwhelming murder. Like it was my mistake, but now that can be something that is intentional and you, I have no choice because in the new rules, if you declare a charge against somebody, you have to be able to reach them into, you have to be able to reach every unit you charge, you declared a charge against else you cannot um, move at all. So if you can't reach one unit that you declared a charge against, you could reach the other five. You can't even move at all. They did this because there was a lot of abuse where you just like lock everybody in melee or you just declare charges against a bunch of people and just like willy nilly just go around and uh, abuse like the system. I, like I heard there were some problems, yeah. but what you can do now is that very scenario where I had this guard blob surrounding these heavy weapon squads. It, I would, it was impossible for me to reach them. They were fully surrounded. Yeah. And my 40 orcs would charge through. They aren't, I should not declare a charge against those guys, even if I intended on attacking them later, because if I did declare them at a charge, I wouldn't even make it into combat with the front unit. And so I'd hit the front unit, murder it, and then I'm not even allowed to attack the other unit, even if I was like decided to pile an attack twice. So basically, they've created a scenario where you could make some of your valuable units impossible to be charged. Like, right. I'm thinking you take a Bane Blade, and I have uh, Mega Knobs. They can tear that Bane Blade to shreds. But all he did was take 20, maybe 30 Guardsmen and strung them around the Bane Blade. Um, he used the Bowtie Formation. He's like, screw it. I, I'll use the Bowtie Formation. I cannot reach that Bane Blade in combat. No matter what, I have mega knobs. They will tear these guards from the shreds, use a command, use some stratagem points, uh, and pile an attack twice to murder that Bane Blade. But no, yeah. that Bane Blade's invincible. So I'm going to charge, murder some guardsmen, consolidate into that Bane Blade, and then proceed to be shot to kingdom come from that Bane Blade in his turn. Yeah. That, to me, is a massive negative play experience. And I foresee that causing a lot of problems with new players. Competitive players are going to just treat this like, oh, yeah, obviously that's how you're supposed to do things because that's how competitive players, high-tier competitive players, they know how to roll with the punches. But I foresee big problems to new players who are like, oh, yeah, they made melee better by making it so X, Y, and Z. And then they get slapped in the face with some guy who had two combat squads protecting their Thunderfire cannon. You're like, oh. So... Yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. I've not seen a lot of yeah. people talk about that. So, I swear I just saw a video, like, just before I came on, where, you know, yeah, you can't, you shouldn't declare, you know, so here's what they had. They had one tank in front of another, right, and a unit of Space Marines that was, like, five inches away from the close one, but with the way that the tanks were positioned, it was ten inches away from the second one, right? So if they declared against the second one and they failed a 10-inch roll, then the whole charge would fail. They couldn't get into the 5-1. Like, they rolled a 9, the whole thing is kaput, right? Got it. Okay, so you want to declare the first one. But the way that they did it, they were able to tag the second one and still get him in. I don't know if they were able to tag, but at least get him engaged. Exactly. You could still tag him. Like, let's say you rolled a 7, you yeah. moved up outside of 1 inch from him, and then you pile in 3 inches and tag him. So you can still tag them. But yeah. when you have something like Mega Knobs who want to kill a Bane Blade, that's their yeah. intended target, and all you need is 20 Guardsmen to make that impossible, Right. it's kind of a negative play experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. I guess that's where, I mean, in theory, you could probably try to shoot them, right? Shoot the screen? Yeah, I, but then... it's like, they'll just remove, like, if, if you had a bunch. squad of 30 conscripts, they just surrounded the thing. They'll just remove them from the back where I'm not. Yeah, and it's just like they just need like a one inch bubble between them and the main blade, and it's like I literally can't reach the main blade this turn, and I'm gonna be shot to hell. Yeah. So it's right. to me, I, like I may be overreacting, but I see some very. I just see some newer players getting really upset that I have this double pile in stratagem to handle this exact scenario where I murder the screen, double pile in, and murder the tank, and I'm yeah. not allowed to do that. So let me ask you this. Let's look at Age of Sigmar, right? Let's say I'm playing Nighthaunt, okay? And I've got my Guardian of Souls, who is not a strong character by any stretch of the imagination, but I bubble wrap him with 40 Chain Rasps, right? Which are my little infantry unit. And I want to protect him because he kind of does his thing. Isn't this the same thing? Like you charge into the 40 thing. Let's say he was a little bit more powerful and could hit you back real hard. Um, I mean, it's just a bubble. It's a bubble wrap regardless, right? I think the issue is, is that shooting shooting is so much more prevalent in 40K, and melee okay. is supposed to like help counterbalance that. Yeah. Like me- Melee armies are, are going to be hit with this. Like Their double pile-ins are supposed to help mitigate uh, the massive power of shooting against you. Because, yep. like, for example, I'm playing against your Nighthaunt, yeah, I go, I attack the Chain Rasps, and then I'm locked in combat with the uh, Guardian of Souls. Yeah. You're not going to then just shoot the crap out of me. Right. Well, well oh, hey, let's do this. You and I played uh, Bloodsecrator. Or not Bloodsecrator. Uh, you had um, some uh, Tyrants of Blood. You had some Bloodthirsters, right? And you had actually accidentally tagged Gordrak into combat where there were some Ard boys. And when you killed some of those Ard boys, I specifically took off from that edge that I could then pile him back into you. I mean, that's kind of the same thing, though, isn't it? If you think about it, because Gordrak came in and just deleted him. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of like that. Um, it's... Because also there's no double turns in 40k, so they will right. get the opportunity to like retreat whatever unit that you're locked in and then shoot the crap out of you. It's just, I don't know. I may be overreacting because I don't play 40k that much, but I foresee some some issues with like an orc player who's just like, you've made a unit un, untargetable. This is frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I think that I think the big differentiator right is the shooting aspect of it. Uh, and, and I mean, let me ask you, I, this is from my own ignorance right here, but let's say, um, let's say you take your orc unit into those guardsmen, you wipe them out, but obviously you can't attack the, the Bane blade that's behind it. And let's, let's say from, you know, the luck of the gods, they completely whiff on you, right? When he, he goes to shoot you, or maybe he only kills like one or two, something like that, right? Are you able then to, on your next turn, pile in and attack him again? Well, well actually, what I could have done is, uh, after in 40k, after you attack, you get another uh, pile-in move. You get a consolidate move. So oh, I would okay. actually lock his Baneblade in combat yep. that turn. Okay. So, so I would be able to attack, attack him in his turn if he didn't, you didn't retreat. declare the charge, but on your next turn, you would have been able to attack him because you're already engaged. Well, that's assuming the Beyblade is... Like, if I didn't engage her, or if the Beyblade could retreat and shoot me or whatever, oh, I he could just, like... If, if I didn't engage him, he would just 
run the bane blade away and sweep in another guard unit to protect it yeah i gotcha okay so, i don't know i i i just I noticed this. I mean, I guess one of the nice things is they got rid of the ability to retreat and shoot with units with fly, so units are forced to retreat or be murdered in the turn that I'm in. I just I, I got the bad touch on a triple shadow sword list that shot all my orcs while I was locked in combat. They can shoot out of combat with their main gun. It was like, I don't know, maybe they, I don't know if the guy was cheating against me or what, but it seemed like locking a Baneblade in combat did nothing. Like, locking an Imperial Knight in combat does nothing, because they can just walk out of combat and shoot you and then charge you. So, yeah. it's like, I don't gain the benefit of being able to then retaliate. Uh, so, I don't know. I, for, I foresee some strategies that can cause some heartache to new players. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, and I think that the lack of the double turn it is something I'm going to have to get used to because obviously I have to plan for it. Honestly, so as somebody who's played both games, what you're really going to have to get used to is one-inch engagement range. So people can come within one inches of you in movement or outside of one, not three inches like in Age Sigmar. Uh, the two-inch coherency is going to be a big one for you. And... Um, the no double turn. Those three things are probably going to be the biggest things that you'll be like. Like honestly, the the coming in with one inch is going to be mess you up so much because people <laughs> like, are just what are like, you doing? You're too close. Exactly, and like, or when you're used to being able to block movement by just being like, I'm going to be over here, and you're not going to be able. To, they're like, I'm just going to move right there. And you're like, crap, right? They can move with it. That is going to be the yeah. biggest thing going from Sigmar to 40k. That is frustrating because it's like. Movement is so less restricted in the, in 40k, especially two inch coherencies and one inch. Like I'm watching these people play 40k, and like your guys are so they're not even part of the same unit. Two inches away, that that's a completely different right. unit. What the hell are you right. doing? Well, let me ask you this: um, I am a firm believer that Age of Sigmar, the games are won and lost on movement. Like that is to me is like it, it, that's what separates the good players from the best players is yep. movement. You know. Um, and is that the same kind of rule in 40k as well? I think ultimately, yes. Okay. Uh, the new yeah. terrain rules obviously help with that, but I, it's basically bringing... Yeah, anyways. I, ultimately, I believe still that holds true. Um, yeah. My, my, one of my big things, is, I just say is this, is I feel like uh, players entering the game there is a lot of tactics that can create negative play experiences. And those sure. things I try to look out for in games are just like things they unintended consequences that they're like, well, if I had known and not knowing right. nuances can cause some feel badsies. And that's what, those yeah. are some of the things that I try to look at and be like, that may not be the best of ideas when you're trying to attract new players. So, yeah. I and I think an experienced player, like I consider myself an experienced war um, gaming player you know, I, I'm at the point now where I'm like, well, chalk that one up to a learning experience. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> not everybody has that attitude when coming in. I totally in. agree. And yeah. that's that's the things I worry about is certain rules that will cause people to be like, oh, like it's that gotcha moments. Gotcha hammer is the yeah. worst game, and that's my. I always fear gotcha hammer. And if you have rules that are able to encourage gotcha hammer. I would like to take a good look at those rules and see if they're necessary for the game. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I so hitting on the movement thing real quick. I um 
you know, I played Night Hunt for a year, a solid year, right? That was my goal. And I feel like having played that army, which is so movement-based and movement shenanigans, right? It made me a much, much, much better player than had I started with a different army, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, because now, now when you, I move my orcs... It forces you to yeah. know how to play tactically versus relying on, you know, terror geists to do all the work for you like Jason did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair, he he was really heavy on the blister skin. Yeah, which again right? uses movement versus brute force. Yeah, and he was all and and uh, Jason's a very tactical player. He actually he started on Mordens, which I think is even more placement and uh, interaction based than even blister skin. Yeah, he did not want to do the reliance on the terror geist. Yeah. He actually told me several times he hated it because everybody targeted it. You know what I mean? Like it was the big bag scary monster and it would just get shot to pieces or magic to death or something like that. And he's like, I don't know why I even bring it. I'd read, maybe I could do better with a, you know, different thing. But he realized that there was value in people spending a whole turn trying to kill that one unit. Yeah. You know, the distraction card effects. Yeah, exactly. Which now that you're playing 40k, you might finally understand that term. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be doing a successor chapter in Raven Guard. Because when they were telling, uh, when I was looking at the tactics, I'm like, that sounds like my night haunt. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so. um, Did you get yourself some aggressors? I have not gotten aggressors yet. I just have a bunch of intercessors. Get yourself some aggressors, because uh, yeah. I hear that Raven Guard aggressors are nasty. Super nasty, and especially a successor chapter that has a plus three inch to shooting. Well, just dude, who cares about that? You just deep strike aggressors, or you just infiltrate aggressors right in front of your opponent, just be like, black, black, and then <laughs> yeah, charge him exactly. with power fists. Yeah, yeah, so... I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to paint up their armor like a black, a cool black armor, you know, and then their shoulder pads. I'm going to do my night hunt um, ghosty scheme, like that blue fade, you know, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna get a um, white reaper blade on the uh, as their insignia, yep. and then I'll use my ghost dice for the 40k. It'll I think yeah. it'll look cool. I I I'm gonna try to bring out my sisters again, although. With the way detachments work now and things going up in points and games kind of getting, so I might bring my orcs because I have a bike heavy list normally, uh-huh. and but I wasn't doing so hot in other Eighth uh, Edition. But I think the new rules might reward my bike strategy, so I might bring okay. my orcs. But uh, I don't know. The new vehicle rules want me to bring my exorcists. Oh, those exorcists yeah. are beautiful. Yeah, listen, I was debating heavily between orcs and space marines, and I just said, you know what, like... You have orcs and sigmars. Space marines are a better introductory option, I'll tell you that. That's that Really, that's what it came down to. I love the orc models in 40k way better than the ones in, in sigmar. Um, I love the models in, in 40k for the orcs, but the um, it really came down to, like, space marines is a great introductory one. There's a lot of flexibility Especially if I do a successor they're, chapter. They're know, also I'm very like, forgiving. Yeah. so like You're not going to win every game, but you'll probably win games you weren't supposed to. Just because, yeah. like, making mistakes isn't as punishing. Because they, they tend to, you know, be able to survive more than they should. Or, like, they're just a really good introductory faction where 
playing an average game, you're going to enjoy yourself whether you win or lose because every unit will perform the way you want it to rather than needing to play this elegant dance with some yeah. other armies. Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited, man. It's going to be fun. The box, uh, Indominus, comes out on the 25th. Got to put everything together. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can find some tabletop simulator to kind yeah, of start putting some sure. stuff together. So, all right, man. Well, for a second time, thank you again for coming on the show. You are um, our highest frequented guest on here, like we said before. I am honored. Maybe I'll have to come on a third time and just cr keep crashing those records. And really just crush it. Really just absolutely, you know, have it have it in hand. So thank you again. Thank you for the listeners. Um, and, uh, yeah, have a great night. Enjoy them. Play some Warhammer. Yep. Good night. <laughs>